0: What's up, nerds? This is In My Expert Opinion, a podcast about the nonfiction side of speculative fiction. Your hosts are Dr. Marcus Cole.
1: I'm technically a scientist.
0: Sarah Ward. I'm a scientist in progress. And me, Abby Cole. I'm not a scientist at all. Join us as we geek out about the made-up stuff we love and the real stuff that shaped it. Today, we're going to be talking about the science of vampirism and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy! Woo! Buffy!
1: I love this show so much.
0: Yes. uh, (laughs) How much of Buffy, how familiar would you say you are with Buffy, Marcus? I am
1: exactly, if I had to put a percentage on it, 15% familiar with Buffy, because I think I've watched 15% of all episodes in existence.
0: Are you okay with spoilers?
1: Oh, yeah, totally fine. (laughs)
2: Okay.
0: Okay, (laughs) I think I'm the only one who's seen it all the way
1: through.
2: Yeah, I made it about halfway through. I'm like about halfway through the seventh season right now.
1: She's a slayer from California.
2: She's a slayer from California. I've seen it
0: all a lot of times. So I think I should be able to help with the uh, basically (laughs) Buffy is a superhero type person. She's the chosen one. She's a slayer of vampires. Uh, and she's just trying to live her life as a teenage girl and then young woman in Southern California. In Sunnydale. And uh, killing vampires and fucking vampires and. Uh,
1: <laughs> Doing
0: it all.
2: That's what she does. Just having the life with vampires.
0: Yeah, she's got like, it's like a monster of the week type of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got like a gang of buddies who help her with her demon and vampire slaying.
1: Like Xander? And Willow?
0: Like Xander and Willow. And Anya at some point.
1: Doesn't Xander die? Does Xander Xander
0: die? He at least, I mean, I haven't read the comics actually, uh, but he at least
1: survives the television show. I definitely thought he died. I don't know why that was in my memory, but never mind.
2: Maybe you were just wishing for it to happen. (laughs) God knows I was in the first couple of seasons. Oh
1: my gosh. Xander is rough. He's He's so bad.
0: He gets it together a little bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, by the time he's, like, an adult and a construction worker, he's, like, fine and actually kind of enjoyable and relatable, but God, early Xander is, like, a fucking nightmare to deal with.
1: Dude, high school Xander's so thirsty, it's exhausting.
2: He's so thirsty, he's such a fucking asshole. It's like, dude, shut up.
1: <laughs> Just, like, <for laughs> explicitly,
2: once, man. <laughs> explicitly Joss Whedon's
0: self-insert character. Oh my god, I know. Oh uh, my god. Joss Whedon is a dick. Yeah, fuck him. Buffy is still awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i have to say about that basically so, yeah, yeah uh obviously as you would guess from the title buffy the vampire slayer it has a lot of vampires in it uh so we're gonna talk about the the sort of science of vampirism today or and by we i mean marcus is marcus did the research
2: yeah and abby and i will be the wrapped audience
1: abby brings all of the buffy expertise and i'm here to talk about vampires and throw a little bit of shade not at buffy the vampire slayer but casting choices and episode writing choices of the creators of throw
2: shade joss whedon again fuck that guy
1: yeah like i mean so i i get that buffy is not meant to be this pro black show
0: no <laughs> the understatement of the year
1: but I, I would argue that even in California, some vampires or some people would not be white, which you would not think if you watched Buffy season one, and that's all I've seen so far.
2: Don't worry, that continues for like most of the show. It's incredibly white. Yes,
1: it's super yeah, white. Yeah,
2: it's a very white show. But
1: you do get your first black vampire episode one of season two, and he dies by the end of that episode, as most uh, black characters do in science fiction shows.
0: Uh, A lot, spoiler alert, a lot of the black characters in Buffy die. That's not really a spoiler. That's just sort of how the world of Joss Whedon works, but it is kind of a spoiler, I guess.
1: (laughs) How stereotypical of you, Joss Whedon.
2: (laughs) How dare you?
0: It's, it's really interesting because it's a show that meant a lot to a lot of women and in particular, a lot of queer women when it was coming out, because for the time when it was coming out, uh, it was like really unusual to have- a female lead and especially like a femme female lead uh who's like not super hyper sexualized. And then there's also like gay women on the show, and it was a whole thing. So there's this like huge disparity of representation between like racial versus like gender and sexuality stuff.
2: Yeah.
1: Which is like the whole like sexualized vampire is very, I guess, modern for us. Like, I, I think everybody probably like under the age of 40. That's, like, seen anything with, like, vampires and it. It's been not, like, these, like, kind of ghastly, ex- exclusively ghastly looking, like, creatures. Like, these have been, like, your, um, Edwards from Twilight or, like- Your, your Edwards, Edwards,
2: your angels, what have <laughs> you. That. Your spikes.
1: <laughs> your spikes from Buffy or your angel or even from, uh, Underworld. Like, these are-
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot about Underworld. These
1: v- vampires are supposed to be hot. And I mean, obviously, like Blade. Blade's meant to be like kind of like a sex symbol.
2: I actually have a clarifying question. Sure. He is a vampire or like half vampire. I actually don't really know that much about Blade.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, and this can kind of like kind of kick us off into talking more technically about vampires. Um Blade's act technically a Don PA. So that means he's a what? Va- he's a Dom PA. So he has he got contracted vampirism not through an actual bite, but it was his mother, who was bitten by a vampire, and then oh. the vampiric virus or whatever actually calls his vampirism, was transferred to him in utero. I see. And so that's why he's a Dampierre huh. and not a regular um, vampire. But Blade actually was born with all of like the regular strengths and weaknesses of vampires, but in a lot of like the movies, like the one starring... Um, Wesley Snipes and the future movie that's starring a rehearsal Ali, which I'm so excited for. Hell yeah, dude. He's able to like walk around in the sun and he actually gets a couple other um, powers, which come from him, his interaction with another Marvel Cinematic Universe character, Morbius, which that movie's coming out sometime in the not so distant future. So we're going to have a lot of vamps in the MCU
0: There's a uh, ring in the Buffy lore that allows vampires to exist in the sunlight, and there's this whole drama with, like, Spike finding it, and then, like, in an episode (gasps) of Angel that's, like, a
1: crossover episode. I just watched this Angel episode!
0: Oh, you're watching Angel also? (laughs) Yeah. Can you say more Angel than Buffy?
1: Yeah, I- you know what, the only reason I was able to, like, kind of- Angel and Buffy are both very white, but Angel is, like, a- I guess he's an adult- An adult. It was like, this is easier for me to consume because I was like, well, okay, he's living in L.A. in his own apartment and he's like, oh, got so regular. he's worried about like paying rent. He's like he's not going worried to about his making job
2: the and team. not being like, oh no, my English class.
0: He's, I mean, he contributes to that type of drama when he's still in Buffy, but blessedly he leaves after season three Thank God. to go do his own adult thing in L.A. N- nice spinoff. There's a black character in Angel. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> The one guy. Progress.
1: This is this is sure. what it looks like.
0: Sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Better representation and spin-off from very white shows. But back to vampires. Yes. Yeah, so I guess I could do like a little rundown of like your standard vampire powers, and these are pretty consistent in like the Buffy show. Um superhuman strength, speed, uh, senses, durability, and stamina. So these are really like strong creatures.
0: Hang on. What do you mean by durability? Um, so basically- can beat the shit
2: out of them, right? Okay. Like, she's kicking them around. They're not dying unless they get, like, you know, specifically killed in certain ways.
1: Yeah. So, like, I mean, like, durability, like, kind of, like, ties into, like, their perceived immortality, like, other than, like, a stake to the heart or, like, maybe, like, a silver blade or, like, sun, like, they can be shot, stabbed.
0: You can decapitate them also. In Buffy, you can chop their heads off and that works as well.
1: But yes, other than like those wounds, like you can like vampires have been like drowned and like undergone all kinds of like stresses that would kill your average human. So they're very durable. And then like stamina comes into play where like you have scenes in a lot of different kinds of like vampire like movies where like they are like sprinting at people at inhumanly fast speeds.
0: It also comes into play in bed. (laughs) the stamina I'm not part? even joking. No, the yeah. stamina
2: and the durability part both come into play with Buffy and Spike specifically yeah. more than once when they yeah. literally are having sex in like a building that is like breaking around them.
0: They and, fuck the building down. Yeah.
2: They <laughs> like they like literally destroy the building. It's I, wild. It's really weird. It's really weird. I did
1: not come across this in my research talking about a uh, demolition via coitus with vampire.
0: <laughs> demolition via coitus. Via coitus. <laughs> Incredible.
1: Um, So, some of the other powers that I I think, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, these come up in um, Buffy are um, hypnosis, and I already mentioned immortality, um, shape shifting, healing factor, as well as like a true form, which is like, I guess, when like in Buffy they go from like looking like human to kind of like having their vampire face and fangs, that would be like their true form, I guess.
0: They call it vamp form. Yeah, Uh, The only vampire in Buffy that has, like, shape-shifting and hypnosis is the one episode where Dracula shows up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But usually the Buffy vampires, they can't do, like, the whole bat form thing.
1: Which I think is mainly because they're, like, their vampirism isn't, like, the purest form. It's been diluted through, like, generations. And, like, that's why, I guess, in most lore, Dracula is, like, the the true vampire that has all of, like, the abilities. Like, he can normally turn into a bat or has, like, wings and... Normally has, like, a bunch of other powers that no other vampire really gets access to.
2: I will say in Buffy lore, he is not anywhere near, like, the oldest vampire. Um, yeah. He's just, like, a dude who had a book written about him, and all the other vampires were like, yo, what the fuck, man? You're just, like, telling people our weaknesses now? Um, <laughs> and he was just, like, a guy.
0: <laughs> a really, a really, uh, I don't know how to describe the way this, this man looks, Dracula looks very pale and has weird sort of floppy hair, uh, and everyone finds him extremely sexy.
2: Including the, Xander it, and Buffy.
0: Including Xander, big time. The, yeah, the, the original, the idea with vamp, I'm getting into season seven stuff here, I guess, but the idea with the vampires that we mostly see in Buffy are, like, diluted by human blood, uh, and there's, like, these uber vamps that live uh, underground in the Hellmouth. That are the true vampires that are like strictly demonic.
2: I think they do explore that in the beginning because Giles says pretty early on the whole like the first vampire was made by a demon infecting a human. Oh, you're right. You're right. And you're then right. It, and like they expand on it in season seven, but they like explain at the very beginning that they're like human demon hybrids. And so that's right. why they're not like truly demonic and like kind of diluted down because of being mixed with humans. Makes sense. To varying degrees, depending on how much of a dick they are. Yeah,
0: well, you know. Looking at you, Angel. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that guy. Well,
1: I thought Spike was more of a dick.
0: We're not going to have this discussion now. We've already predetermined, dear listeners, we've already predetermined that we're going to have this as a separate discussion, the Angel versus Spike debate. We're going to record it separately. It's going to be a whole separate thing.
2: The age-old debate.
0: The age-old debate with only one correct answer, the hill that I will die on. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. I have no, like, real (laughs) stake in this fight. I'm just here to be, like, an opposition (laughs)
0: Stake. Okay, so tell us about some science shit, Marcus.
1: Yeah, yeah, and science mixed with some more lore, but... So there are some, I guess, more uncommon vampire abilities, even beyond, like, the stuff that, like, exclusively Dracula or, like, some of the first vampires can do. Um, Telepathy, atmo, kinesis, I've never seen this in any...
2: What the hell is that?
1: That is a uh, weather control.
2: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I Here. guess,
1: like, if, like, maybe, like, maybe Dracula at some point, I've maybe seen, like, a one of the newer Dracula movies. He's, like, created storms or, like, clouds to, like, shroud himself as he, like, flies to, into, like, a village.
2: I will say the weather wow. control is an explicit part of Strahd uh, and yeah. Strahd in Dungeons and Dragons in various editions. is like he explicitly oh. has control over, like, the land of the area that he's in, in Barovia. So he can control the weather, or, like, uh, he can cause, like, floods to happen from the rivers and stuff like that. Oh, cool. That's extremely Shakespearean vibes. It's very good. <laughs> he, like, walks around being like, I am the ancient, I am the land, as he, like, fucks people up in Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, that's great.
1: <laughs> But, yeah, so, uh, there are a couple other, like, random ones. Uh, telekinesis, so just being able to move things with your mind, um, pyrokinesis, electrokinesis, flight, necromancy, and dream manipulation. So Mm. these are like the more uncommon ones. I like, I mean, Buffy expert, let me know, but I I don't recall or in the one season I watched, I never saw anybody controlling the weather or like shooting electricity out of their hands.
0: No, I'm trying to remember. Dracula
2: is the only one who has like extra weird shit. But I don't think it goes that far, does it? I think he does dream manipulation. Oh, maybe. He definitely does hypnosis because like he gets Xander under his like hypnotic spell or whatever.
0: Yeah. And then the joke is that Xander was really into it or something like that.
2: Xander just wanted to fuck Dracula.
1: He was in. He was down.
2: What can
0: you say? Everyone wanted to fuck Dracula. Inexplicably, he's so sallow in that (laughs) episode. He's like so unfuckable. (laughs) You're
2: talking about Dracula, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Xander, I guess. But I was talking about Dracula. Well, I I just wanted to check.
1: (gasps) Oh, God. But I, yeah, so I guess one question for the Buffy expert again is, do they ever talk about kind of, or is there any researcher in the Buffy universe that tries to understand vampirism from like a scientific perspective, like recreating vampires or like understanding their like enhanced abilities, like through a scientific lens?
0: Um, yeah. In season four, there's like, uh, at UC Sunnydale, there's like a secret governmental organization, like military type thing where they're doing research on demons in general, they don't actually get into any of the, like, results of that research or, like, what they're trying to learn specifically, but it's mostly like, oh, no, they're capturing monsters and torturing them to learn about them, which I guess is medium fine, except for when Spike gets kidnapped and then it's, like, someone we care about is down there and it's a whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some science stuff in season four, but it's pretty brief and they don't get into any real, like, results, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, they put, like, a chip in Spike's brain, so he's, like unable to hurt people without being hurt like he can't like attack humans anymore but they don't Mm -hmm. explain why that is and like what exactly it was they just keep calling it like a chip so not too deep of a like scientific dive
0: yeah i feel like angel gets a lot more sciencey than buffy does buffy's pretty strictly like fantasy type vibes
1: fair enough and i i feel like that's pretty consistent with a lot of just vampire lore like twilight wasn't really sciencey at all when it came to vampires i
2: wouldn't i wouldn't say twilight was extremely scientific no hot
0: take twilight wasn't extremely (laughs) sciencey fucking
1: i would say the best two that i guess were like really like probably more mainstream would be underworld because like they like have really like uh like designer weapons to take down both like werewolves and vampires so they really like mm-hmm. try to a- understand like the biology of both of these creatures and then um i don't know if you've ever seen it but the tv show the strain which is a completely different take on vampirism in a sense that it's transmitted to people through this almost like this small worm type virus that just oh embi- yeah so it's it's not so I much that like, a lot yeah the promo art for the show is actually really <laughs> kind of sickening. Nope. I no thank like, you. It's like a worm crawling over, like out of someone's eye or something. It's really weird.
2: Oh, it sounds like a no weird version you. of like a yerk from Animorphs. Yes. Those little like slug things.
1: Yeah, it, exactly.
2: I missed the Animorphs train. Animorphs was awesome. It's a pretty good train. A good train. <laughs> it's a pretty good one.
1: But the strain is pretty good about kind of applying some more real world um, applications or concepts to vampirism in the sense that like in all likelihood, if you were to want to like have a vampire in reality, you would probably need some kind of virus that could invade the body and then change its genetic makeup and then cause it to produce new kinds of like enzymes and proteins that would result in the vampire properties that we see or like read about in various lore.
0: Uh, Basically what you're getting at is the distinction between, like, sci-fi vampires and fantasy vampires, it sounds like?
1: Yeah, essentially. Like, I think there's, like, kind of, like, a line drawn. But, like, there, I I feel like, I guess, moving forward, we are going to probably maybe look at this through more of, like, a scientific lens. But also, like, in general, like, a lot of the properties of, like, or the strengths of vampires as well as their weaknesses are derived from real-world medical, like, or biological phenomena oh (laughs) yeah and luckily the the internet is a great place where a lot of uh nerds like to go out and propose various theories
2: shout out to the internet
1: shout out to the internet again and all the The nerds on the (laughs) internet
2: internet. (laughs) a great place where nerds like to go (laughs) (laughs) it's well known for such things
1: So, my my uh research on the internet brought me across a couple of uh interesting articles and reports on illnesses that could be traced to some of the fundamental lore around uh vampirism. So, have either of you ever heard of porphyria?
0: Yes. Really? I know well, I know the word. I helped my sister study for nursing stuff, and I don't know what the word means.
2: <laughs> I've heard okay. of it. I have no idea what it is either.
1: Got it. So, like the the one I guess like that's most well known is called um, congenital erythropoietic porphyria, or CEP, and it's essentially like a breaking down of like your red blood cells on like a crazy high um level that results in terrible symptoms. And it, it's just like, it sounds like a terrible disease, but back in probably before we had fairly well developed medical science, a lot of people that may have been suffering from this could have been um, presumed as vampires because of some of the symptoms. And so what is really happening in a lot of the people that have this disease is you no longer have enough heme in your system, which is actually allowing your body to interact with oxygen and continue metabolic processes you actually have an excess of the precursor to heme, which is porphyrin. And it's this conjugated molecule.
2: Oh, I didn't know porphyrin was a precursor to heme.
1: Mm, yeah, before you get the um, chelation to the iron.
2: Do you know about this heme stuff
0: from your uh, phlebotomist days? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Or is this a thing you just know about?
2: Well, I also know about it because we talk about chelation chemistry a lot, but or like when I was in organic chemistry, right? But yes, when I was a phlebotomist, I did have to know about heme. And also, I got called a vampire by like 50% of the patients that I dealt with at <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning in the hospital. Most of them were not happy to see me because I came into the room at 3 in the morning. And most of them were not happy to see me, a 17-year-old especially. So I did get called a vampire a lot during this time. Could have also
0: been partially because of your pale, pale skin. It was a whole thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: And every single one of them
0: thought that it was the first person who had ever made that joke. Yeah, every
2: time. It was always like, <laughs> get it?
1: Vampire.
2: I've never heard that one before.
1: If you were a vampire though, and you were trying to find an occupation that's kind of suited your needs, you would probably want to be a phlebotomist.
2: Yeah, because then you would just do an extra tube of blood that had like anticoagulant or something, and then you could pop that mm-hmm. cap off and drink it before moving on to the next room. Exactly. Yuck. <laughs>
1: <I'm> <laughs> a little, sorry. a little, a little snack in between uh, <laughs> patients. Little,
2: little treat, you know. In Buffy,
0: they have like vampires are like constantly intercepting hospital blood donation drop-offs. It's like. This is blood drop-off day, so we're all gonna go lurk behind the hospital and either pay off a doctor or kill a doctor. Uh, I don't know why the hospitals are getting their blood deliveries in, like, an alley in a cooler in the dead of night, but it is a thing
2: that keeps happening. Well, how else would you get your blood deliveries? You want it to be during the day?
1: It's that sketchy blood dark market.
2: I will say, even during the day, <laughs> delivering packets of blood around the hospital feels very sketchy.
1: Yuck. Was it weird because you were hungry?
2: No, it was just more like I would like, look down and be like, I'm carrying like five blood bags and that feels really gross.
1: Are you sure it wasn't the thirst? It wasn't your vampiric thirst just taking over like, I'm about to crack this bag open like like the, some lathes. Shh,
2: that's my secret to keep, Marcus.
0: <laughs> that's my secret gross. to keep. So good. <laughs> Anyway, tell us more about uh, porphyria. I want to hear more about the symptoms.
1: <laughs> Back to porphyria. Yeah, so the, the symptoms are essentially due to a buildup of the, or the porphyrin um, precursor to heme in your body, which normally, like, porphyrin itself, like the molecule, normally has, like, a purple-reddish hue. And when you have this large buildup in your body because you're not using it to actually make heme, you end up excreting it or it gets embedded in different parts of, like, your body. So a lot of people, like, back in, like, the, I don't, like, 1800s, maybe 1700s that would suffer from this would tend to have, um, or very red uh, stool or, like, urine. And also, like, their skin would also appear kind of purplishly red, so looking Mm. pretty sickly. Yeah. But also the lines of their gums would then become very red, almost like having the appearance that they may have been, like, drinking blood.
0: Oh, gross. This might be a stupid question, but sure. did you say the molecule has a color? Can molecules have color? I, I feel very silly asking this, but...
1: Well, okay, so let me uh, specify for any hardcore scientists that are <laughs> listening to this. Um, molecules, the way they are organized, sometimes allows them to interact with the electromagnetic spectrum, and that interaction we perceive as having color. Not to go too deep in sciencey, but they're, um, the electrons in this molecule are so, um, Delocalized, meaning they're not like tightly bound to any individual atom, which like kind of allows it to have interesting properties when it comes to like transporting those electrons to different locations, but also interacting with uh different cor- forms of radiation in the form of light.
0: That's so fucking cool.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot to have some color. Like obviously, like these like people that were suffering from like CEP didn't have a like had large amounts of like heme like in their skin and in their like blood and stuff, but like or sorry, porphyrin in their blood and skin, but it wasn't like a lethal amount, because they were still right. living. But it basically was enough to, like, change their relative, like, appearance and make them kind of look not human.
0: Were they living, Marcus, or were they undead?
1: <laughs> um, I mean, it, it depends on who you ask, I guess. <laughs> of that time, if you asked the doctor in that time, they'd probably be like, no, they're sick. If you asked your average village person, they probably said they were undead.
2: A doctor might also say they were dead, because they didn't really know what the hell they were doing for a very long time. <laughs> The doctor might have said, get the fucking leeches. Get the leeches.
1: But, like, I mean, as far as, like, today goes, like, we have treatments for, like, CEP. Like, normally, like, you give someone, like, I think it's a dose of hematin that basically compensates for the lack of heme that's being produced. Um, But probably, like, back in the day, like, if you didn't really know what was, or if you had an idea as, like, a doctor what was causing this, like, as a deficiency in heme, you would probably recommend drinking blood as a means to address this issue if like you don't like we don't have access to like really specific enzymes or proteins to treat the disease so
2: are you saying doctors suggested people drink blood this is so terrible
1: i've like so there were a lot of different references but it was it was more stated that this would not be outside of the realm of possibilities for like a doctor to recommend a dosage of like blood to
2: reverse leaching the problem reverse leech
1: Ugh. Um, one other, uh, kind of, uh, interesting symptom of the disease is that occasionally people would, um, their gums would also recede as well as, like, turning red, so giving more oh, exposure so like to fangs. the actual fangs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, like, just, like, for the record, I, and I know, like, there are, like, people suffering from CEP today, and I know, like, it's not fun being called, like, a vampire, so, like, this is, people should not be calling people suffering from CEP vampires, but a lot of, like the lore of vampirism was probably derived from people suffering from this disease way back when.
2: That's really sad. Yeah. I always thought vampirism came from rabies.
1: Also associated with r- uh, rabies. Because of the biting? There, there I, just, several reports. I was like,
2: trying to think of like a disease yeah. of like what would make someone bite someone else and it'd be rabies, right?
1: It's the biting, but it's also the fact that the virus itself is transmitted through saliva and a similar mechanism that you would expect that vampirism oh, would be transferred shit. to uh, a new victim.
2: Yeah. I didn't even think about that part, yeah. Incredible.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm going to move on to another uh, disease that might be related to vampirism, but the, the last uh, interesting thing about uh, CEP. So uh, a professor from the University of British Columbia, uh, Dr. Dolphin, had, um, he, he's kind of like, I guess, a fairly well-known chemist in Canada, um, but I think maybe back in like the 80s, started to kind of revisit some of the lore behind vampirism, and some of the biological like rationale behind like weaknesses and things and um what is pretty well known is that people suffering from cp because of that buildup in porphyrin in their skin and porphyrin likes to interact with light they do tend to have um have welts and be ultra sensitive to uv radiation in the same way that
0: amazing vampires oh, really can't go out in the sun without
1: like forming welts yeah. yeah and it's it's crazy cuz like because the the heme in the skin will like start to change color if it gets exposed to light but it'll also generate reactive oxygen species what will which will just start to destroy your skin.
2: Yeah, which are like really destructive to the cells.
1: So it, it like it doesn't happen in real time like the way like we see like vampires blowing up in the sun or like their skin like literally boiling, but it mm-hmm. might feel like that for someone suffering from CEP that their skin's on fire when they're like in in the sun.
0: How horrifying. The uh Sunlight sensitivity issue in Buffy is very, very dependent on what's best serves the plot at any given moment in time. Like occasionally it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. they're in the sun and now they're dead. Or it's like, as long as you hide under this cloak or like paint most of your windshield black, you'll be fine. You just got to get out. Yeah, looking at you, Spike. Looking at you, Spike. Just like, looking at you, Spike. But like, it's it's so plot dependent.
2: Yeah, that motherfucker was running around with like his coat pulled over his head and in just his sort of like dark tinted car <laughs> and just like lightly steaming. Yeah, lightly like a little steaming. bit of steam coming off his skin kind of thing. Uh catching fire like, in Ooh, small oh, places. It's hot out here.
1: <laughs> in addition to the uh UV sensitivity associated with the CP um victims as well as like vampires, uh we all know that in most lore garlic is a known repellent ...for vampires.
2: I always did wonder why garlic would be the re- repellent of all things.
1: So, allyl sulfide, the active ingredient in um, garlic, that kind of gives that, like, odor. That stink. So, it's actually an agonist for an enzyme heme oxygenase 1.
0: What is an agonist?
1: Um, it basically can facilitate the reaction that's catalyzed by the enzyme. The main point is that it helps, it facilitates additional degradation of hemoglobin... So in theory, people suffering from CEP could have, like, a certain negative response to the ingesting garlic.
0: Weird. That's wild. I wish that garlic played a bigger role in Buffy. It's, like, very occasional. She's got it in her, like, toolkit or whatever, and then when they're- She never pulls out the garlic, though. Well, no, when they do the spell to keep people out of places they've been invited into.
2: Right, I'm just saying, like, she's not throwing, like- hunks of garlic at people, you know what I mean? Like, she's not in a graveyard being like, take this! Yeah, you would love to see that, you know? I would love to see Spike or Angel get fucking hit over the head with a piece of garlic.
0: (laughs) With a shrimp scampi. (laughs) 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 exactly.
2: Take this, idiot. (laughs) It's
1: like, I'm gonna cook you up a nice meal that's gonna destroy your insides.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm shocked that Giles didn't try that. Like, oh, here, I'm trying to be friends. Anyway, it has garlic in it.
0: I fucking love garlic, man. Can't
2: get attacked talk about vampires.
0: No. In no small part because they're not real.
2: <laughs> well.
1: Well, for now, they're not real.
2: <laughs> for for now. now.
1: We really don't know. Um, Because there... Well, not there's no active research going on. But there's a lot of scientists that like to go on the internet and talk about ways you could make vampires. Um. Or at least you could figure out ways to induce the properties of vampires in humans that would be the most desirable
2: like the blood
0: sucking you mean like the sparkly skin
1: like uh so no that that's a little difficult um but definitely uh the the blood drinking um immortality or also like the appearance of agelessness are kind of like the big ones Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: that people are interested in and okay immortality i get Appearance of agelessness, I understand. Why is blood drinking one of the things that we're shooting
2: for? It's because people don't ever stop to think, why?
1: (laughs) And it's also probably the most, like, feasible one. Ew. As far as, like, if... No, like, in in all reality, like, some, like, because I've just been reading a lot about how you would want to make a real vampire. And so, like, if you were to want to, say, induce, like, vampire strength, you would have to double roughly the number of fast twitch muscle fibers in the human body to be able to, like, be anywhere near that fast or that strong, which is... Sure. Huh. Like, I mean, none of this is, like, possible, but as far as, like, we know with, like, um, gene editing, that much muscle growth is not really, I guess, that as feasible as, like, oh, we can figure out ways to make people, like, drink blood and be... Wanna drink that blood? Function. Got it. <laughs>
2: I mean, to be fair, I think there would people, there would be people who want to do that. There are, like, sects of people that already think that they're vampires mm. or, like, want to be vampires. They mostly, in modern times, envision themselves as, like, drinkers of life energy versus, like, blood mm. itself. But, I mean, like, I'm sure there is someone that would be, like, into this idea of having that power.
0: There's a whole episode about that in Buffy. Yeah. That, like, group of, like... Cosplay losers. Not that cosplaying makes you a loser. Oh yeah, I'm just the saying groupies. These guys are losers, and they're cosplaying.
2: <laughs> I forgot about. It. Yeah, they like cosplay is like what they think vampires are like, and hang out and like pretend that they're vampires and. Stuff. And angels
0: like, oh, we would never dress like that. And then like a guy w- dressed exactly like him walks right by, which is incredible. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird vibes. They have like Dracula playing in the background and like. Yeah, I've totally forgot yeah, about that one. It's wild.
1: The last little bit that I wanted to kind of talk about um, comes from this really interesting article titled Making a Vampire by uh Dr. Veronica L. Lane. She's an evolutionary biologist who really, like, used all of, like, her biological skills to, like, brief out how you would want to do this if you were to really try to create a vampire. So, shout out to her for shout being out. a scientist and contributing to the fandom and the fiction and all that fun stuff yeah she kind of like touched on the, the three like properties of vampires that i um, mentioned earlier and went through mechanistically how you could maybe induce these in humans or where like those genes that would code for the particular like enzymes and proteins that would result in those properties would um be found so, as far as, like, blood drinking, like, one of the things that you would want to do if you were to, like, I, want to make a vampire I, can't, is I don't that,
0: understand why everyone's, like, <laughs> first on the list, let's make
2: sure people can drink blood. Why is this... Ha- I don't understand. That's, like, integral. Right, it's so critical to, Ugh. like, vampirism. Yeah, that Like, okay. if you're talking about how to make a vampire, you have okay, to talk yeah, about no, blood Okay, yeah, no, no, okay,
0: I get it. I just... <laughs>
1: It's like it's really like if you give like a like if you just made someone immortal. It's like okay, you're just like, okay. Immortal. No, like there's if they were really just no undead, you just call them a zombie. You. You're right. You're right. Exactly. If you were to want to be able to drink blood, um, what one of the um genes that um Dr. Lane talked about was uh the plasminogen activator gene, which basically encodes for a protein that is a, a viscosity modifier um, in uh, saliva glands, which would prevent blood from coagulating as, like, you're drinking it, so you could actually, like, get it into your body and, like, process
2: oh, it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: And so and this is um expressed in the saliva glands of actual vampire bats. So, like, this is what they already use to, like, drink and process blood. So you would want to encode that into the human noid genome that you were trying to, like, modify to make sure. your vampire. cool. Yeah, Um. one that I hadn't really considered, but I guess, like, this is more just, like, for uh having... A great life as a vampire is addressing the bitterness associated with blood. Um, sure, because I guess it's yeah. like humans, like we tend to associate bitterness with like poison. So like it would maybe difficult for us to actually consume blood or enough blood to sustain ourselves. And so, um, what she talked about was that vampire acts actually have, um, a greater percentage of non functioning DNA in their bitter taste receptors. So you'd basically want to knock down those genes in a human so that like they can't really taste the blood and they can just kind of like.
2: Just drink it without it being, like, bleh.
1: Like, it would just be, like, pretty viscous, but, like, no longer that kind of, like, gross, bitter taste that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. might not be as uh, enjoyable. Also, I would be trying to, like, up the function of your sweet taste buds so, like, it really tastes good.
2: Yeah, but then you would have to have things in the blood that would interact with the sweet receptors, right? I don't know if there is anything in blood that would. That's true. Unless you modified the receptors to interact with bitter stuff, like, with the compounds. And then have, like,
1: a sweet response.
2: yeah. I don't know how biology works, but
1: so that's you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. you. I'm not a biologist either, so I could be botching all of this. But I am a scientist, and that cares some I'm here for the
0: fucking ride. That's true. <laughs> I'm here to stand in for the everyman.
1: And so the, the the last kind of big thing that needed to be addressed as far as blood drinking goes was um, nutrients to volume ratio. Um, so,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> so the ac- actual vampire bats drink about 50% of their weight in blood in between single no but hold on (laughs) hold on abby it's not over that's in a single feeding and they literally have to like urinate most of that out within like two minutes so that it can go on and continue feeding
2: are they just pissing as they fly through the air oh my
1: god which like i mean when we think about like people that like have associated getting like different like i mean like sars covid 2 has been like tied to like bats and just like Other SARS diseases have been tied to bats. Like, they do tend to just kind of, like, shit and pee
0: all over the
1: place in their, like, caves. So, like, if you're going Spurlunking and you want to go see some bats for whatever reason, you're probably going to be breathing in a lot of bat urine and bat feces in the air.
0: I feel so sick to my stomach. Give me a second. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody crack a joke about something. I'm dying. Wait. Oh that's so disgusting the idea of how much you would balloon up by drinking 50% of your weight and then immediately it's just the whole thing is like
1: yeah so oh god and this is not like the hypothesis for how you would want to do this like in humans because it would not be realistic I weigh like a a (laughs) buck 60 so I would have to drink about 80 pounds of blood in a single feeding and then immediately get rid of that
0: I'm gonna die this is how it ends (laughs) (laughs) goodbye cruel world (laughs) please don't bring me back as a vampire i hate this so much
1: (laughs) also like from like from the vampire bats perspective because vampire bats can go and like feed on much bigger creatures it's realistic that they can actually consume that much blood in like a single feeding versus like they can go after livestock exactly like us as humans like i mean like and i feel like there's other movies where like humanoid vampires like feed on like horses or like cows like bigger.
2: Well, I think in Buffy they explicitly say it only needs to be mammalian. Yeah, most of them They go to the butcher humans, a but lot. they can drink out of like The reformed yeah.
0: vampires go to the butcher for extra blood. I wish so much that this extreme blood consumption and expulsion
1: was part of the <laughs> Twilight
0: series. <laughs> oh my god can you fucking
2: imagine
1: you could not be a sexy glittering vampire defecating constantly <laughs> on camera it just, and, and you would be defecating blood
2: the thing is the best part about that to me is that they're all pretending to be high school students so they'd constantly be having to ask for like hall passes to be like excuse me I have to go pee I really have to pee can I go pee really and fast like,
0: no you just went
1: <laughs> I'm sure the janitor at this school would be so upset they're like oh my god what are they <laughs> what doing is happening? in these toilets <laughs> But, yeah, so, but also we know that, like, the average, like, human only really has, like, roughly, like, 11 pounds of, like, blood in, like, their body. So, like, you would, as a vampire, you would need to feed on seven to eight humans, depending on, like, your weight, to actually, like, feed yourself. So, in the article, um, Dr. Lane uh, basically proposes something that's already in existence in the lore. It would be, uh... A series of like hibernation cycles mm. to basically lower your metabolism so that you don't really require feeding that often because it's not yeah. realistic which is like common in a lot of lore like a lot of like the especially the old vampires like sleep for like centuries and then wake up to feed if you were to be a vampire you would be hungry all the time
0: i mean they do appear to be fairly hungry all the time pretty ravenous yeah
1: and i i get like that and if they're a little edgy it's because they've been shitting blood all day so well, give them a break you can't blame them Oh, God, I was just thinking that, like, vampires must have terrible hemorrhoids.
0: Oh, my God. My- my, Okay, I'm not nauseated at all. My skin is fucking crawling.
1: Um, actually, this was, like- I mean, this part- The blood drinking was obviously going to be the grossest part. Like, like, (laughs) so the, the immortality and, like, the perceived agelessness aren't really that bad. I mean, and at its, like, crux, like, uh, Dr. Wayne talks about, like, there's a lot of interesting, like, real-life research trying to modify the aging process or completely stop it in humans and also kind of trying to, like, draw inspiration from, like, perceived, like, immortal creatures like the immortal jellyfish. Yeah. Um, but I guess, like, the most, like, realistic way to kind of stop or slow aging would be to modify uh, telomeres. Which are like directly linked with like aging, mm-hmm. uh, adult, uh, mammals. So like the telomeres are just like the sequences on like your chromosomes that don't encode for anything. But every time like you go through a replication step or a division step, they get shorter, which is basically as like you age and grow, like you have shorter and shorter, um, yeah. telomeres. And so one idea would be to activate. Um, this enzyme telomerase reverse transcriptase to help prolong the life of those telomeres that would maybe have some kind of downstream effects to limit the aging that's cool way less way less gross
0: does yeah uh, way less (laughs) so much less gross
2: does does eternal life interest either of you
0: no no yeah me either
2: feel like i'd get bored and like bummed out yeah that's just a philosophical question (laughs) 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 just wondering just curious
1: just a little philosophy, just just keeping it light. So, but one uh, drawback to kind of modifying this uh, telomerase enzyme would be that you could be more susceptible to cancer. So, I guess like mm. the deregulation of this particular enzyme is associated with like rapid cell growth. Oh, okay. Which is oh, yeah, that makes cancer. Sense. So, oh, yeah, like you could maybe like induce like this perceived like immortality, but like, so you're not really immortal. Bummer. And then the last um, way, like the actual like keeping your skin young. So, like, you could like prolong your life, but like you still might look old. Like, I think a lot of vampires end up just, like, I clearly remember saying, like, the underworld series, like, those old vampires look rough when they come out of, like, stasis.
0: Yeah, the fucking, the old vampires in Buffy just get, like. Gnarled and like increasingly. Yeah, they're all like frivolly. They've got and, like yeah. Mm-hmm. They, the one that they say early on, I think they sort of contradict this later, but the early on they say is like the oldest vampire or whatever has like cloven feet. They look gross, gross and gross. But I think it takes like a fucking long time because most of the vampires, or at least I don't know, like angels, like hundred a uh, hundred and seventy or something like that, and he looks normal. So
2: I don't know. I thought he was, like, two to 300. Am I thinking of Spike? Please hold. I'll Google. Yeah, Spike's much younger.
1: I'm assuming that, like, the angels and the Spikes and every other vampire that's been able to kind of keep themselves looking pretty nice in their old age have heightened levels of hyaluronic acid, both in their body as well as in their skin. Nice. Hyaluronic acid is actually a pretty important component in our physiology as far as, like, our cartilage goes. Yeah. But also, like in current like uh, skin care uh, markets, hyaluronic acid is like the hot thing on the market because it's known to improve elasticity in like your skin. So, like ways to like prevent like wrinkles and like other things that are traditionally associated with age. Um, so I've
0: always wondered if that is bullshit or not. Like the stuff that they put in skin oh, no. care products is that real?
1: I mean. Hyaluronic acid definitely improves the elasticity of tissue. Great. So if you can get a large enough dosage and actually deliver it into like your epidermis, then
0: Interesting. you
1: should see a response. But like, other than um, some little modifications to some plasmagen activators, modified telomerase um, reverse transcriptase and bumping up your hyaluronic acid levels, like we're... Pretty close to making vampires if we really wanted to.
2: I mean, we're right fucking there. It's just a hop, yeah. jump, and a skip away.
1: We're basically there. And, oh, also, like, one more plug for hyaluronic acid. <laughs> it, the higher molecular weight hyaluronic acid is actually tied with the longevity of naked mole rats, who have terrible skin. They're super wrinkly, but they live fairly long for, like... Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I can't believe
0: you thought that was going to make it more appealing instead of <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you could be
0: you too could have the traits you of can, you can can look a, naked look like a naked
1: mole rat <laughs> you, you don't want that naked mole rat skin
0: uh, no i think i'm good thank you <laughs> oh god
1: but yeah so i think that wraps it up for me and that's my expert opinion on the science of vampirism
0: nice amazing Thanks for listening to In My Expert Opinion. Please remember to rate and subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you'd leave a review with your expert opinion on why this podcast is rad. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at expertoppod, or email us at inmyexpertopinion at gmail.com. Later, nerds.